Welcome to Heart of Life. It is good to see you today. Um, want to welcome everyone. Welcome those of you who uh, may be joining us at our mission sites at Adrian today. Maybe those of you at the mission site in Harrisonville today. Uh, thanks for taking the time to gather. And in fact, wherever you may be, um, we want to send out, it's my turn, to say Happy Mother's Day. It's a good day. And I realize that it's, it's already been talked about a little bit. Um, man, that can span from incredible joy to maybe incredible hurt today. But my prayer is that in our time together, you will be blessed as you turn to Jesus. That's where we want to go today. We have been in a series called Hashtag humble brag. And a humble brag is just this creative little way, deceptive little way, I guess we would say, where you, you can make a statement or you could even issue a complaint, but in that statement and in that complaint, you say something that actually draws attention to something you've accomplished, to something that you're proud of. And so we've been taking the example of the humble brag to say, do we realize that is the kind of stuff that does not build relationships in our life? It's pride. The opposite of it is humility. A humility that doesn't need to promote myself, but a humility that sees other people worthy to be served even even in those times that it cost me. And the reason we know this, no doubt in our minds, is because the greatest picture of humility ever is who? Is Jesus, the God who would give his life for us. And so we've been studying this little book of Philippians and we've come to this text that gives us this charge. Have this mind among yourselves. And the mind that it's talking about is humility. It's talking about Jesus, who was willing to empty himself in order to serve others. The call is then that we would have this same view in all of our relationships. And it comes... By knowing Jesus. When you don't, when you choose pride, barriers are built. That's why we got poles and, and ropes here. It's because barriers are built. The thing that we so desire, a, a relationship that is, that is good, a relationship that is open, a relationship that would be genuine. Exactly the opposite happens when we only live for ourselves. Barriers are built. And so each week, we've been diving in a little deeper to this most remarkable truth. And this week, it is a word for parents. So certainly on this Mother's Day, my prayer, moms, is that you will be encouraged. And dads, we're going to reap the benefit of walking alongside them today. I want you to see how this applies 
to parents. And today, I got three directions that I want to go. I want us to talk about the parent's role. Role. I want us to talk about the parent's aim. And I want us to talk about the parent's heart. Our role, our aim, and our heart. So let's start with our role. What is the role of a parent? Here's what I want you to know. God's primary plan for shaping children is through parents. Parents who teach and model a God-centered worldview. That is God's primary plan. Now, how do we know that? Because God has made it clear in his word. There was a point early on in the story of the Bible where God makes this statement to his people. He says, I want you to love me with all your life. Like, I, I want you to love me with everything you've got. I want you to love me with, with, with all your heart. I, I want you to love me with all your soul. I want you to love me with all your strength. I want you to love me with everything that you are. And right after that, this is what God says. Deuteronomy chapter six, these commandments, what I just said, love me with everything that you have. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Teach them to your children. Teach them what it means to love me with all your life when you're sitting at the dinner table. Teach them what it is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. When you're on your way to the soccer game, teach them what it is to love me with your mind. When, when you go to bed at night, Teach them what it is to love me with all your strength. When you wake up in the morning getting ready to go to school, in everything that you do, I, I want you to teach them with your words, but I also want you to model it with your life. This is what it means to love me. Parents, you are the primary plan for teaching your kids. You are the primary plan, God says, for shaping your kids. A little later in the Bible, there's another passage. It's not so familiar as Deuteronomy chapter 6, but it's quite clear. Psalm chapter 78, the, the psalmist makes this statement. He, that's God, decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their, who? Children. Watch this. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. 
It has always been God's primary plan for shaping children that it would be parents who teach and model this is who God is and this is how we love him. Every generation, God doesn't download a a new Bible from heaven, right? Every generation, God doesn't download a new set of truths. No, he goes, this is who I am and this is what I say and every generation, I want you to pass it on. Parents, pass it to your kids and then kids, you pass it to your kids and kids, you pass it to your kids. We go, okay, I thought you were gonna encourage me today, Jeff. So far, all I'm feeling is this overwhelming responsibility that I am God's A plan for my kids. I'm not feeling lighter at the moment. I'm actually feeling pressure. Well, here's what I also want you to know. God has designed that the church is to be your partner. The church is to be a partner with parents in teaching their children. Now, I mean, why would God design it that way? Well, for one, there are some kids whose parents don't follow Jesus, right? And so those kids whose parents can't point them toward them, the the church becomes that role in their life and there are spiritual parents who who pour into those kids. That's exactly who some of you are today. There, There are biological moms and dads across Heart of Life, but there's also just a ton of spiritual moms and dads across Heart of Life. But I think God also designed it this way because none of us, Let me repeat that. None of us are good by ourselves. I'm not as good of a parent as I am with you. When you're with me, really that's the theme for all of Philippians, that that we we are with God and and we are with one another, I promise you the older your kids get, some of you who have little ones now, the older they get, I'm promising you one of the great blessings that God can give you is other voices who speak into their lives. And those other voices are people who, like you, love the Lord your God with all their heart, with all their mind, and with all their strength. One of the great blessings of getting to be pastor at Heart of Life is that each of, as each of my kids have grown and are growing, there are other voices who can speak into them. And those voices I know love God. That's how God's designed it. Now, come on, isn't it true? Don't you think most people tend to shop for a church according to what, like how much a church can do for their kids? I think that's the case a lot of times. People shop for a church for what that church can do for their kids. But what I have also come to understand is I'm not so sure that that maybe the way God evaluates a church is not just for what a church can do for their kids, but actually how a church equips 
parents so that parents can actually assume the role that God has given them to assume they are the primary. They are the primary shaper of their kid's life. And the more that we can do as a church to help you. So when our students, when our, when our students start a, a new teaching series, there are things like parent cues. That's what they're called. And they go out to you as parents. If you're not on that list, then I'm, I'm asking you, uh, let us know. We want to get you on the list so that you're getting those parent cues. And it tells you, here's what the series is that's coming. And here's some of those things that you can begin to think about, questions that you can ask, right? It, it gives you as a parent some ammunition to be able to do what God has given you the role to do. Uh, before, you've seen me bring the box up here that our kids, that gets mailed to our kids, right, every, every two or three months, and that box is filled with different items and toys and cool stuff. It puts tools in the hands of parents at home so that at home you can actually assume the role that God has given you to shape your kids. Yes, the church, the church has a teaching role in the life of your kids. For some of you, that may just be the step that you need to take. Like you love your kids and you want to see your kids strong, but you have not yet really fully engaged in terms of allowing the church to come alongside you. And maybe that's the step that you need to take next. But listen, together, Parents and churches are supposed to be a dynamic duo. We are a dynamic duo. But let's be clear, the church is Robin. You, the parent, you're Batman. You're Batman. That is how God has designed this to work. So, what happens when parents begin to assume that primary role? They're going to be the, the teachers and the shapers in their kid's life and not just bring them to church. Like, not just bring them to church where somebody will teach them, but, but when they get up in the morning and when they go to bed at night and on the way to the game, and in every way, teaching them what it looks like to love God. And then when the church comes alongside and becomes that dynamic duo with parents, all of a sudden, barriers start to come down and the relationships with our kids can get stronger. I'm saying, come on, let's do that. Let's do it better than we've ever done that before. Because what do we want to see happen in the life of our kids? We've been reading in Philippians, and I, I want to give you a glimpse of this. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, Therefore God exalted him, that's Jesus. Now, the picture has been given, Jesus empties himself and he serves. Therefore God exalts him to the highest place, gave him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. What do we want to see? We want to see our kids' knees bow. 
to the king who is truly king. And we want to hear their voices declare that the greatest one in all the universe, it is Jesus. That's what we want to see. So, how do we do that then on a daily basis? You know what I'm saying? Like the, the, the daily stuff, like, like some of that stuff even went on on your way to church this morning, like where you're trying to be the parent, right? And you're trying to get to church and all that comes with that. Well, okay, I understand that my role is to shape them and teach them, but, but what's my daily aim, like on, on a daily basis? Two things I want to give you. Here's the first. I encourage you to teach them authority. It has become a missing word in our culture. And we will continue to see more and more of the consequences of that. As a parent, one of your primary aims is to teach your kids authority. Children are born into a world of authority and they are not it. And the quicker they learn to submit to authority, the more blessed a kid's life is going to be. Now, God has established different roles of authority, parents being one of them, but a part of what you're teaching them is, who is the ultimate authority? It is God. And so they actually belong to him. That's where we start. They belong to him. And as a parent, I am simply a representative of God's authority in their life. And so I am to be the tone and the touch and the look of God. And you talk about humbling. Here's what that means. When my kids hear my voice, it is supposed to represent the voice of their God. When I touch my kids, it is supposed to represent the touch of their God. When they see the look on my face, it, it is supposed to represent his face. And so every time I exercise authority in all of those everyday mundane circumstances that you have got to step into as a parent, it is supposed to be this beautiful picture of God's authority. Here's the struggle. Every kid, every kid ever is born with a bent to push back on authority. Every kid, now some of them seem to have more bent than others, don't they, right? Yeah, and isn't it wild how even you, you can have multiple kids and you're like, how does one get this much bent and the other one is like this much bent, right? But every kid has a bent to push back on authority. Your aim is that in the way you demonstrate authority to them, they come to realize authority is actually God's gift of love 
and of grace because authority doesn't take things away from me. Authority actually gives me freedom. This is missing in our culture. We as parents have the privilege of being the ones who shape it in our kids. Let me give you a second one. I call it mysteries. Our aim is to teach mysteries. And the mysteries that I'm talking about here are the mysteries of God's universe. The the mysteries about God himself. If you miss these mysteries, then you really miss the bigness and the full picture of life. Here's a mystery. The sovereignty of God. I mean, come on. The sovereignty of God, his overarching, orchestrating of all that happens in time and eternity. That is who God is and what he does. And within that umbrella, you have a a providence of God that he orders our steps and he works out the details of our life. I want my kids to know that about God. I want them to know about the grace of God. That's a mystery. I mean, how magnificent. We use the word amazing every time we talk of his grace. I want them to know that. And one of the mysteries is humility. It's humility that they know that the way up is down. That they know the way to win is to actually lose self and to see others worthy to be served just like Jesus demonstrated. The spirit of God through the word of God empowers me to teach my kids. So let me drop this on you. So when I see my kids struggle, I know that surprises you, but they do. When I see my kids struggle, and when you see your kids struggle, and when I use the word struggle, sometimes that may just be a weakness that they are trying to figure out. They're not strong at something, and so they're trying to work through it. Sometimes when I say struggle, I mean sin. Sin. You watch your kids sin. As a parent, I want you to realize that is not just happenstance. That is not an accident. That is actually God's grace. And it is actually the fact that God loves them and that God put them in a family so that parents in that family could see it when those kids struggle and through humility those parents become a tool in the hands of God of shaping a child's soul. Do you understand what I'm telling you? So much of the time when our kids struggle, when our kids mess up, when our kids get selfish, when our kids do the stuff, and, and oh, you know, you know what goes through your head, right? And, and sometimes what goes through your head is, I think I'm a failure as a parent. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Why do we go there? Why do we go there? What if your kids struggle 
and you seeing it is not an accident. It is not a happenstance. What if this is the sovereign God with great grace who has designed this whole thing that your kid, who he knew was going to make a mistake, he knew they were going to mess up, he knew they were going to rebel, he put them in your eyesight so that you, as a parent who would take yourself out of the picture so that you could lift them up, you could be a part of shaping your kid's soul. So, I'm teaching my kids authority the best I know how. Here's who God is, and here's how he loves you, and you belong to him. And, and I, I, I'm teaching them the mysteries of, of his sovereignty and his grace and humility. And as I take aim... The barriers come down, and suddenly there is more openness. There is more connection. It doesn't mean we get it all perfect. It doesn't mean that there aren't struggles, but suddenly the relationship with our kids can grow. It can grow. We got one more. And to be honest, this is the one that I was most convinced that I'm supposed to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about a parent's heart. But in particular, I want to talk to you about a parent's broken heart. I'll tell you a secret. Your kids will break your heart. Your children will break your heart. And I don't mean the break your heart because they're so cute part of it. Those days happen too. I'm saying that as a parent, you're going to love this person so much that the thought of them hurting almost drives you crazy. Like, you die for them. And so the thought of them hurting almost just takes your heart too far. And one day, one day, she's going to make her own decisions. The day's going to come that he's going to make his own decisions. And some of those decisions you are not going to agree with. Because you know, 
you know what God says, and you know that with what God says, there comes blessing, and you know that anybody who tries to operate outside of what God says, that there is not blessing that is attached to that, you know that their decision is going to result in some hurt. And sometimes their decision, what you might even consider to be dangerous in terms of what it's going to mean for the rest of their life, and your soul will hurt like nothing you have ever felt before. Even with the great love and care that you have provided, even though you read every right book in the library on parenting, your heart breaks. Here's how it goes. This is the statement. I'm the parent whose kid doesn't fill in the blank. (laughs) I'm the parent whose kid does not say that. I'm the parent whose kid does not do that. I'm the parent whose kid does not become that. And most of us start saying it when they're in preschool. But definitely by the time they get through high school, most of us have found ourselves in the place that we have become the parent whose kid did that. Said that. It's becoming that. And it is one of the strategic life moments where you got to decide, are you going to go low? And are you going to humble yourself and release this status of you seeing me as being this kind of dad You seeing me as being this kind of mom whose kid would never. I got to let it go. And I got to choose to serve. And find out how much better I can love my kid when I take me out. You don't have a hero status to uphold. Some of us need to be reminded. I need to be reminded of that often. I don't have a hero status as a dad that needs to be upheld. Because some of us need to be reminded every once in a while, God does not make any of us heroes. None. He makes none of us heroes. And you say, oh, wait, 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 wait a minute now. I think it's all right if, if, my, if I'm the, the hero, right, to my little girl. I think it's all right if I'm the hero to, to my son. No, 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 no. As long as you do that, as long as you assume a role that has not been given you, I'm telling you, nobody needs to be a hero. Nobody is designed to be the hero in this kingdom, in this story. 
there's only one hero. In this kingdom, there's only one throne. And that throne has been occupied since eternity past. It will be occupied to eternity future. My greatest prayer is that my kids' knees will bow to the one and only hero who is who is fit for their soul and their heart, that they will bow their knee to Jesus and they will declare that Jesus is the hero of their life. And maybe they saw their dad from his knees willing to be a tool in the hero's hand to shape their soul. You don't have to be a hero. Be human. Be human. He called you to be moms and he called you to be dads which means we live out our role fully, face first, right, before the king of the ages saying, Jesus, it's you and it's all you. Help me love my kids. There's something I want to show you from Psalm 143. Psalm 143, verse 3, David makes this statement. He says, the enemy pursues me. He crushes me to the ground. He makes me dwell in the darkness like those long dead. That's uplifting, isn't it? David's particular circumstances is not about his kids this time, but it's relatable in the sense that his heart feels so heavy, he's crushed. He's crushed. And I'm saying that like David, there are some of us today that our heart feels exactly like that because of the place that you have been with your kids maybe for a long, long time. In fact, you've been there so long that it may start to feel like a grave. That's what David feels. He's been waiting so long to see their heart change, waiting so long, seeing so little visible fruit from what's been poured into them, so little appreciation. You know what it is, some of you know what it is to feel this. You feel like your heart could just crumble. Not too long ago, the females in my family introduced me To crumble cookies. Anybody in this house who knows what a crumble cookie is? Anybody? Anybody know what a crumble cookie is? Not too many, not too many. All right. I'm going to bless you today. I'm going to bless you today because I'm telling you about crumble cookies. Now, I'm going to tell you the truth. When they first told me about crumble cookies, um, my first thought was that does not sound very appealing to me. Because the word crumble and a cookie does not sound like two words that need to go together, to be honest, right? The reason cookies tend to crumble is because cookies are dry, right? In my book, like a cookie that's dry and then it starts to crumble and then they got me one. Oh my. I'm telling you, 
There is sweetness in the crumble. They are good. They are good. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm blessing your life today. You just don't know it yet, all right? There is sweetness in the crumble. Let me show you something. In a few verses later, Psalm 143, David makes this statement. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I entrust my life. Now, he's talking to God, right? And and that makes sense to me, like when it comes to your kids, Right and, and, a, and, a, and a thousand decisions that, that they're, they're having to make and you want to help them make and, and some of those decisions leave your heart just crumbling. And you go, God, show me what to do. I get that. God, God show me the way I should go because I want to trust you. That makes sense to me. But what I want you to pay attention to is that David actually asked something else before he asked that. Before he said, show me what to do, he said, let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. For I have put my trust in you. When my heart crumbles, Screaming for help, God, show me what to do. That makes sense. But what is not so intuitive is first asking God to help me hear something. What David knows is that before he even knows what to do, what he needs most when he wakes up each morning, before he starts strategizing, right? Before he he starts to make any move, what he needs to hear is the unfailing love of God for him. My heart crumbles for my kids. God, do you care? God, are you going to help me? God, do you love me? God, are you for us? David knows what he needs to hear first thing in the morning before anything else hits his ears. He needs to hear of the unfailing love of God, that God would say, while you were a sinner, I died for you. I love you. I love you. And I saved you not because of how great of a mom you might be one day. I saved you out of my mercy. And dad, you didn't choose me. I first chose you. I called you. You are mine. And so mom and dad, my arms are around you and I will never let you go. So do not fear because I am with you. Do not be discouraged because I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And you will know there is sweetness in the crumble. Because when your heart crumbles, 
Let this be clear. I love you. And when as a parent, you know you are perfectly loved, then guess what? When I know I'm perfectly loved by God, I can get out of the way. I can go low. I can release my status of what anybody, right, wants to think about me or or what something might look like failure. I can let that go so that I can love my kids with a heart that is willing to serve. And so when it comes to heart, when it comes to heart, two things. He says, first, let me hear. And then he says, lead me on. Let me hear, God, first thing, let me hear that you love me. God, remind me who I am in you so that as a parent, this failure that I'm feeling, I'm reminded that that does not negate how you love me. This doesn't negate who you are with me. God, let me hear that you love me. And then, God, lead me on. Then, God, will you give me direction? almost fell off the stage. Give me direction. God, will you show me the next step? Let me hear and lead me on. And when the barriers come down, the relationships grow. A few shots of encouragement before I send you out the door. Two truths. Here's the first one. The best parent has rebellious children. Not only does that mean that the best set of parents that you can possibly think of on the earth, their, parents were, their, their kids were not perfect. It also means that the most perfect parent ever, his children rebelled. So don't let the enemy heap false guilt on you. Okay? Second truth, God's grace reaches even to the most rebellious. God's grace reaches to the most rebellious. In the letter we're reading in Philippians, the guy who wrote it, the Apostle Paul, he killed people who loved Jesus and God's grace tracked him down. So some of you today are thinking about kids. You're thinking about kids who have a long time, have run from God. They have made decisions that you wish they wouldn't have made. They are still walking in a place maybe where you wish they wouldn't walk. And it just feels like they're going further and further and further away. I'm telling you today, no matter how far they run, you cannot outrun the grace of God. Believe those truths. So two actions. First, let your heart for the rebellious grow. <laughs> Here's what I mean. You know what you feel for your kid? Keep, keep going. Keep going. Keep loving. Keep pursuing them. But also realize that that heart that you feel for them, that's also the heart that God wants you to have for every lost person on the planet. And so your neighbor who is apart from God, ask God to help that heart that you have developed from how you feel about your kid to be a heart that you feel for them. Let that feeling, let that, that love, let it, let it grow. And second, pray, pray, pray. That's your action. Why? Because Jesus said, I want you to keep on asking. Keep on asking and don't stop asking because God doesn't get tired of hearing your pleas for wayward kids. It's what he does. 
He's the father who brings him home. One time, Jesus made this statement. We're done. One time, this is what he said. He said, children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It's easy, easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, some of you have heard that before, and I've told you this before. Somewhere along the way, some, somebody started telling this story that the eye of a needle was actually this gate in the wall of Jerusalem, and that in order for a camel to go through this particular gate, it was tiny, and so the camel had to, like, get down on its knees. That is, like, not a true story. It's funny. I, no, no reputable scholar will ever say that there is proof of that being the case, all right? So we kind of turn it into this, hey, you know, if somebody is rich, then it's possible, right? It just requires, you know, a little bit more humility than they've got. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying it's impossible. If your heart is tied to the world, it's impossible. If your heart is tied to riches, it's impossible. Here's where I'm bringing, here's why I'm bringing that up. Because some of you, that's what you feel toward your kids. You're like, it's like my kids have quit looking at Jesus and they just started giving their heart to the world and they give their heart to riches and they give their heart to other relationships. And it's just like, I just don't think there's any way they're ever going to see Jesus because they're so far away. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. That's why I know what he was talking about was it's impossible. It's impossible when your heart, when a person's heart is given to the world, it's impossible. Big butt. But not with God. You ready? All things are possible with God. All things are possible with God. Will you say it with me? All things are possible with God. One more time. All things are possible with God. When you see the face of your kid, I want you to hear that. All things are possible with God. Don't you quit praying. Don't you quit praying. Don't you quit bowing before the king. Don't you underestimate his grace. He brings kids. In just a minute, I'm going to pray, and we're going to be done today, all right? I want to pray for you. But before we do that, I want to say first, for all moms at all locations, and when I say moms today, I'm not talking again just biological moms, but there are a lot of spiritual moms in heart of life. And so all the ladies in the house, all the ladies wherever you may be today, on your way out today, we have a little something 
for you. It is a crumble cookie on us. And listen to me. As I hope you enjoy your crumble cookie today. There are choices, so you're going to have to make a decision. It's a tough choice. Like, which one are you going to get? Which one are you going to take? When you enjoy your crumble cookie today, ladies, I pray that you are reminded. For those of you that hurt, for those of you that long for, for those of you who hearts feel like it's crumbled, listen, with Jesus, there is sweetness in the crumble. Let me pray for you. And then I hope you have a great day. Let's pray. God, I am asking that you would give an excitement for the role to which you have called us to. The role for parents who hear my voice today God, for those who have children, God, I, I pray that you will give us an excitement when we realize you have called us to be the primary shapers in the hearts of our kids. God, that that would not make us feel overwhelmed, but God, it would make us feel an excitement and a gratitude because we trust in you. God, I pray for your church that you would make us excited about the role that you have given us to partner with parents. God, to see, to see children come to know your greatness. God, I, I ask that you would give us a perseverance in our aim. God, in teaching authority, in teaching your mysteries of the universe, God, I, I pray that on those days where it feels so difficult, God, it just feels so mundane, God, I pray that you would give us a perseverance to continue, God, to teach in a shape like you've called us to. And then, God, I pray for strength for hearts. God, today for every parent who hears my voice, may you give them the ability to hear your voice and how you love them. That then we will be moms and dads willing to go low in whatever you call us to do and whatever the instruction is that you give us, whatever steps that you give us to take in loving our kids, that you will give us strength to follow. God, I am asking that you would bless families, that your greatness may be seen. And it's in the name of Jesus that I ask it today. Amen. I love you. God bless.